Welcome to Nest Church, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nestchurch.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you Our speaker, um, who's going to bring the word today, we were able to sit with him and his wife, and we were able this weekend to do uh, a Good New Days episode as well, and that's going to be two episodes from now, and I can't wait for you all to hear. You're going to be so blessed by this conversation, but we have the honor today uh, to welcome um, two individuals that are very special to our lives. They're special to me, to my heart. When I answered the call and said, yes, Lord, to the call of ministry, the Lord sent me to a small town called Eurexville, Ohio. And I went to Eurexville, Ohio. And the first two weeks, I was, I was living upstairs in the tr- what we would call the training, ce- the training center of the church there. And the first two weeks, I'll never forget, you've probably heard this story. I would sit in the living room, and they know exactly where, I'm, where I was sitting, right by the window. And I was staring right, in, right to a supermarket called Mako's Supermarket. And I would sit there for hours just staring and staring at the people coming in and, com- and going, going out and coming in. And, and I remember I was just like, what did I get myself into? Why am I in a town called Eurexville, Ohio? What am I doing? For two weeks, I was really struggling. One of the brothers I was also in training sat next to me, put his arm around me, looked at me and said, hey, brother, are you, gonna, are you okay? Are you going to be all right? And I looked at him. I said, I think so. I hope so. Oh, man. There was no way back now. After those two weeks, God did a great move in a miracle in my heart where I didn't want to leave Ohio, where I just loved it there and I loved the people there. And I was so blessed every morning to sit down before amazing pastors and they were able to pour and teach and to share their experiences with us um, on a daily basis. One of those pastors is one of the bishops of our fellowship and um, he's here today with his wife. And I want to honor him, the man of God, as he comes and brings the word. I'm grateful for his life. I'm grateful for every word that he's ever spoken. I'm grateful for him and Julie for their lives because people like us are looking at them, and they are testimonies that we just follow, and we walk behind them and saying, keep leading the way because we are watching you, and we are a product of your faithfulness. And we're grateful for Pastor Tom and Julie. As you guys know, we belong part of a fellowship. We're not an independent church, and this is one of the bishops of our fellowship. So let's welcome him with love. Let's welcome them with all the the Hialeah, Miami, tenacity that we have in us, and let's welcome Pastor Tom Klasner to come and give the word. Amen. Good morning. We're so happy, to be really happy this morning because it's been a great weekend with your leaders. Um, I'm thankful for to God for what he's doing in the hearts of the people here and in them. I see the seed has been sown. I see a people who are sensitive to his spirit. And I'm excited 
because I know God is going to show us things we have never seen, and we're going to hear things we have never heard, that we've just begun, we're just the tip of the iceberg, and there's so much more ahead. And I'm so grateful, thankful, and excited, and blessed to be here. Thank you. It truly is a blessing to be here. And um, I, I realize, uh, as I wrote out my notes, that all I'm going to do is give you the scriptures to explain what's already happened here today. Um, and then at the end of me going over these scriptures, I, I want to give you the opportunity to come before the Lord and say, not today, Satan. And um, I think it's so important for us to have an understanding why we can say that. And so let me just get into the word this morning. In the book of Matthew, chapter 28, verse 18 and 20, Jesus came and spoke to his disciples and he said, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Could we just stop because sometimes we, we go over scriptures so much and we've heard scriptures, we become numb to a scripture. In the first place, why did Jesus need to say this? And then how did he come to this place where he had all authority? And do you see then that he has all authority? And have you learned how to apply the authority that Christ has for your life? I think that's extremely important when he made that statement. So then he says, so go therefore and make disciples of all nations. The question we have is, why do you have to make disciples of the nations? What nations are you talking about? How did they get to a place where they needed to be made disciples? See, th these are real questions. And if you see the answer and see why, then you won't doubt. And you will gain this life that Christ has given us, and you will walk in the authority of the name of Jesus, and you truly will walk in the power of God's Holy Spirit because it's not your authority, it's his authority. And it's not your power, it's the power of the Holy Spirit that he put within you. And so why did he say this? There's another scripture that we see in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 9. It said that God saved us and he called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ before time began. Okay, now, catch this now. Before time began? Before time began, God knew that he was going to send his son, Jesus Christ. Before, God, before time began, God knew that we were going to be saved through his son, Jesus Christ. And before time began, 
God knew that it was going to be according to his purpose. So in other words, God had to know about the fall before time began. God had to know that Lucifer was going to rebel. God had to know that man was going to disobey. And God had to know the results of all of that. And God had to know about us. I don't know about you, but those words are very comforting to me, these scriptures. Because when I realize that God has chosen me, and, and you can realize that God has chosen you, and he's called me, and he's called me with a holy calling, and when you, when you put it in perspective as to what he's called us out of, and he's called us out of darkness into his light, and his light and his kingdom is, is holiness. And we struggle with that, and I think we struggle with that because we don't understand that even the holiness comes from him. Because God transforms our hearts and our lives from the inside out. We cannot try to be holy and read a bunch of rules and regulations. We have to become dependent upon the Savior and the Deliverer to, and to enable us to be holy. And so we find our lives fully and wholly dependent upon God, the one who saved us. We know about the fall. We know that uh, Adam and Eve disobeyed God. God told Eve and Adam, he told Adam, he said, don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The, the serpent came and he deceived Eve. She ate, gave it to, to Adam, and he ate. And that act of disobedience brought sin into the world. Well, if we're not careful, we make light of that sin. Yeah, okay, I've heard that scripture, Pastor. No, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> You may have heard that scripture, but do you understand how powerful sin is? Do you understand how powerful Satan really is? Because once sin came into the world, it wasn't very much time before, in Genesis chapter 6 it says, And the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. I don't know if you've read that a hundred times or not, but that has to blow your mind. Could I read that one more time? That every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. That's mankind. Just within a short period of time, that's what sin did to humanity. Now, how powerful is sin? And how powerful was sin in your life? Or if you've not been set free, how powerful is sin in your life? And we, we cannot skirt and say, well, I'm a Christian. No, wait. You're a Christian. And if you are a Christian, it's because you've been called out of this. And if you are a Christian, it's because God has delivered you. But if God has delivered you, then get delivered. And get free. Don't say... Well, that, that doesn't mean anything to me because it does, because you and I have been called to go out into the midst of darkness, in the midst of sin, in the midst of Satan's kingdom, and bring forth light. So we better understand what's going on here. So God destroys the earth with a flood, and he saves Noah and his family. But within a few hundred years, 
we come to the story of the Tower of Babel. And we see by that time, and actually I think it occurred prior to, to this, and I don't know if you've had an opportunity to go and read the Sumerian writings and, and uh, the cuneiform uh, writings that have been uh, transcribed, but it's fascinating of what they wrote during that period of time. The thing is, when they came and they were going to build this tower, many people believe it was a ziggurat, and the ziggurat actually had a temple at the top, and that temple was not to God. Because by that time, they had their own gods. They had a God of heaven instead of the creator being their God. They had a God of their heaven, a God of earth. They had a God of the sea. They had a God of the underworld. And they thumbed their nose at the living God, the creator God. But this time, God did not destroy mankind. This time, God scattered mankind. And according to the Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 14, the very last verse, it says, And the earth and the sea and all the things that are in them, who in past generations allowed all the nations to walk according to their own ways. There's the nations. There's the nations. And what happened to those nations? Those nations was a result of sin within them a result of them going their own way and not the way of the kingdom. And so they lived according to the lusts of their flesh and the desires of their flesh. When you look around and when you and I look in the world, we see exactly what was going on because Satan doesn't change. We see the same darkness in the world that was clear back at the fall. Because it's the same Satan who is their God. And so when we look at what's going on in the world, we understand now that there was a reason. We understand that there was a reason that Jesus Christ came. And so God, knowing the end from the beginning and knowing that he was going to send his son Jesus Christ, and knowing that we were going to be saved according to his purpose and called according to his purpose, then God takes a man named Abram out of the midst of the darkness and in the midst of all of the idolatries, and he takes him to a land that he was going to show him. And Abram, by faith, went out, not knowing where he was going. You see, God spoke to him. He didn't just go out because of a feeling he was called by God. And that's exactly what happened to you and I when the Lord called us and we had our born-again experience. He called us out of darkness and he brought us into his kingdom. He chose us. And that's a big deal. That is a big deal. And Abraham, being a father of faith, is our father. He's a father of faith. Not our heavenly father, but a father of faith. He's an example. And in that, as you know the story, but I don't want to talk about that story, but let me just say, but in that, God ends up speaking to Abraham. And Abraham, when he spoke to him, he explained to him that he was going to be, he was going to make his name great. Do you realize today, almost 4,000 years later, 
There's about 8 billion people on this earth. And because of the Christians and the Muslims and the, and the Jews, over 4 billion people, over half of those people know the name of Abraham. So almost 4,000 years ago, when he said, I'm going to make your name great, we are living testimony today that his name is great. That's phenomenal. That's phenomenal. That was just one of the promises he made. And then he told him that out of his own body that uh, was going to come these descendants so numerous that they would be like the stars of the, of the sky and the sand of the sea. And yet, Abram's wife, Sarah, was barren. Now, what a beautiful picture. He's got all of these nations that instead of destroying, he's looking down the corridor of time and knowing that the descendants of those nations can be saved because he knows his plan. And his plan is in this man, Abram, who was in the midst of the darkness that he calls out of darkness. And his plan was, I'm going to work in a supernatural way that people are going to know that his child is considered a child of promise. And so it was God that opened Sarah's womb. And that's exactly how God will work in your life and in my life to bring about his promises on earth as it is in heaven. Our God, when he came to you and you had that born again experience, you were born of the spirit. You were born from above. The Bible says you were born of God. That had nothing to do. No one can come to the Father, okay, unless you come through the Son. And no one can come to the Son unless the Father who sent him draws that person. So if you are here today and you've had that born-again experience and you've confessed your sins, there's only one reason. It's because God has chosen you. And God has called you out of this darkness. And God has a plan. Just like he had a plan for Abraham. And that plan will come about because of God, not because of you. God will use you, but God will have to work in a supernatural way in order to be able to bring about the plan that he wants through you. And he'll do it through the power of his Holy Spirit within him, within you, that he put within you. I look at this and I, I, I just marvel. I just marvel that there's a, there's a plan, there's a purpose of God, and I'm part of that. According to 1 John chapter 5, it says we know that we are of God, and perhaps if you've been born again, you can say that. But then it goes on to say, but the whole world lies under the sway of the evil one. The actual Greek says the whole world lies in evil. Here we are, we're, we're living in a world where the world, the whole world, lies under the sway of the wicked one or the evil one, and yet we are of God. That means Satan is still doing what Satan did at the beginning because he was a, he was a liar from the beginning and a murderer from the beginning, and he sinned from the beginning, and he's still doing that. In the book of Ephesians, in chapter 2, it said, you and I once walked according to the course of this world. And the course of this world means the course of this age. And that word age means there's a certain time period or dispensation where people are going to walk in that darkness, but it will come to an end. There will be a day when the world will be judged. 
So no longer will the world walk in darkness. And you and I once walked in that world and listen to how we walked according to the prince of the power of the air. So in other words, it was Satan and not only Satan, but Satan and his minions, if you will, the principalities and powers that controlled people. See, we didn't even realize that. We lived a life and a life of sin, and that was a normal life. That's just how we were raised. We had no idea that there was anything different. As a matter of fact, when people would come to me, uh, I used to be a chiropractor, and people would come and they would try to save me. And, yeah, right, get out of here. But the point was, see, I didn't know that there was a different life to live because the life that I lived was normal. And the scripture even says that the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving. Is that fascinating? So here people are, they're walking around in absolute misery, in absolute chaos. They're walking around and their lives are, they're just, they're just miserable, miserable people. And they just assume that that's how life is. Well, look, everybody I know is miserable. No, it's because of darkness. It's because of the devil. And he goes on to say here, you walked according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. In other words, people are just like a puppet on the strings of Satan. And we need to understand that this kingdom is a structured kingdom. As a matter of fact, you walked according to the conduct of the lusts of your flesh, fulfilling the desires of your flesh and mind, and were by nature children of wrath. And we've all been there. We all know that we walked according to our lusts. And we all know what that lust did and how it has damaged us and destroyed us. And that's why we can thank God that he called us out of that. Finally, at the, in Ephesians chapter 6, he shows us this structure in verse 10. He said, it's so important to be strong in the Lord. It's so important to be strong in the power of his might. And, and then he provided this armor for us that we could stand against the wiles of the devil. He said, you don't wrestle against flesh and blood. In the world, our issues were people. Now that we've been born again and now we see how all of this works, we realize that those people are but puppets. And Satan's pulling the strings. And they're puppets that's running rampant because of their lusts that they have of their flesh and their mind. And because of that, then they are the ones that are our enemies. They are the ones that are creating the problems. And the Apostle Paul said, no, 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 I'm telling you, you, you need to understand there is a realm, there is a kingdom, okay, that's far above what you think you see. There's a life that you're called into so that your eyes can be opened to see the realm of the spirit. There's not just a natural realm. There is a spiritual realm. And in that spiritual realm, you need to see that it's Satan pulling the strings here. 
You're not wrestling against flesh and blood. You're not wrestling against human beings. So why as Christians do we wrestle against human beings? We need to ask God to continue to open our eyes to see who he is and how all this works. He said, we wrestle against principalities and powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, and against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenlies. Wow, that's amazing. See, people, and there would have been a time in my life when I would have laughed at that because I didn't understand that. But I've lived long enough now to see how darkness has destroyed people's lives. I've lived long enough to see the structure of the kingdom of darkness and how it works. I've lived long enough to see wickedness. I've been a pastor behind closed doors that, that I will take to the grave some of the testimonies and some of the confessions that, that you cannot believe one human being could do such a thing to another human being. I've heard it with my own ears. And I've heard from the person that, God, that, that told me that I watched the hand of God change that person to where those person, those, that person became a leader in my church. This is all real. And sometimes we wonder why things are happening the way they are. But remember, this is all part of God's plan. He could have destroyed them the second time, but he promised he wouldn't do it by a flood. And so he scattered them and gave them over to his own ways. And then he called this man Abram. And as he was speaking to Abraham, he said to him in Genesis chapter 22, he said, by myself I have sworn. In other words, God made an oath to Abraham. As a matter of fact, Hebrews chapter 6 says, when God made a promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself. Now, can you imagine a living God, a living God having a relationship with a human being and revealing himself to that human being and calling that human being out. And as he calls that human being out, he continues to have a relationship with that human being. And then God, God himself makes an oath with that one man, an oath. So if God makes an oath, there is no way, excuse my French, no, I'm not going there. There's no way it can be broken. Do you understand that? Do you understand what I'm just saying right now? Now listen, you have to understand what I'm saying. And the scripture's there. Because this is where you're going to stand. You're going to stand on the promise of God, a promise that was made by an oath. And if a God makes a promise by oath, I'm telling you it cannot, will not, it's not even possible that that oath can be broken. Now you have to see that. Because our life and our future and the future generations is based upon the promises of God. To where you and I stand upon those promises even when we don't see them or we don't think we see. Because a lot of our issues are preconceived ideas of what Christianity is all about, not what the scripture says. So he looks at him and he says, and it's about halfway down up there, he says, and your descendants, 
And actually, in about half of the translations, it says your seed. And we'll talk about that in a minute. Your seed shall possess the gate of their enemies. And in your seed, all the nations, there's the word nations, shall be blessed. In other words, God spoke to Abraham. And God said to Abraham, your seed is going to possess the gates of their enemies. Well, think about it. What enemies did Abraham have? He wasn't talking about Abraham's enemies. He just scattered all of the, all of the nations. He gave them over to their own way. Who was controlling those nations? Satan. Who else was controlling all of those nations? The principalities and the powers. The spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. See, are you and I going to possess that gate? Yes, we are. Yes, we are. To where no demon in hell and Satan has absolutely no authority over us. And he has no authority over us because of the seed and the work of that seed. And that's a promise that was made by an oath. And if you're not living in the victory, it's because you don't have understanding. If you're not living in the victory of that oath, God cannot lie. So if God cannot lie, there has to be victory in our life. That's why the apostle said, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Why, why would you have to make that statement? Excuse me. He's like he's saying, excuse me. But if you have the Son, you are free indeed. You could have just said free. But no, free indeed. And so we have to look at our lives and say, all right, if I'm not free, then why? And I say, if your heart's toward God, you lack understanding. Because the Apostle Paul was always praying, go, Lord, grant them spiritual wisdom. Grant them spiritual understanding. In other words, open the eyes of their understanding, Lord. Man, I pray, Lord, that they come to know this. You see, that's how he was praying. So just because we're a Christian and we may not be walking right now today in victory doesn't mean that we're not going to walk in victory. Because we're going to go from faith to faith. And we're going to grow. And we're going to grow because God will see to it that we grow. And we're going to grow because God will see to it because God is God. And because God based all of this upon a purpose that he had before time began. And you've been called. You've been called by God. And you answered the call. And I pray to God that just like Jesus said, if you want to follow me, you will deny yourself. Which means you may be in a certain state, but you're willing to let go of that to fulfill the purpose of God. And you will take up your cross. Which means you know you're going to death. You're going to not only deny self, you're going to die to self. Because there is no other life in Jesus Christ. There is none. If anybody's telling you anything else, go to the scripture. Because that was from the words, the mouth of Jesus. That's how we live. You deny yourself, you take up your cross, you lay down your life. Why? Because I got a new life for you. I got a new life for you. God is good. God said, or, or, I'm sorry, Abraham said, when God made that promise, he made the promise to the seed. This is Galatians chapter 3, verse 16. Not seeds as in plural, 
but seed as in singular, and he said, and that seed was Christ. Did you catch that? When God spoke the promise to Abraham, he said, and to your seed, and in your seed, all the nations will be blessed. And your seed shall possess the gates of their enemy, or the gate of their enemies. And now the Apostle Paul is saying, and when he said seed, that seed was Christ. And that seed, when we say is Christ, see, you and I might just simply say the term Christ. I, I love the song, what a beautiful name, Jesus as a Savior. But when you think of Christ, the Christ is the Messiah, he's the anointed one, he is the one that all of the Old Testament scriptures have been fulfilled and summarized in him. So when we say this Christ, and the seed was the Christ, we can say, no, 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 everything either has been or will be fulfilled in this Messiah. And that's who he was talking about, the Christ. And then he goes on to say, the Apostle Paul does, that if you are Christ, if you belong to Jesus, if you've had that born-again experience, you are Abraham's seed and, the, and heirs according to that promise. So whatever God spoke to Abraham, it's ours. It's ours. And he spoke it by an oath. And he cannot lie. And so if you take the fact that God cannot lie and that God's going to bring forth his, his oath, then you and I can stand on the word of God. And now, and now, we need to get to the good part. If you thought that was good. Because we need to talk about the Christ. We need to talk about the seed. See, why did Jesus have to suffer? Why did he have to be killed? Why was it that God wanted him to suffer and be killed because God knew he was going to raise him up on the third day? Why? Because God wants us to possess the gate of our enemies. And our enemies is a realm of darkness. It's not human beings. And so what does Jesus do? Colossians chapter 1 said, Once we were alienated, and enemies in our minds by wicked works. Do, do you hear what he was saying? Every one of us in this room, and maybe there may be somebody in here that's still in this condition, you're an enemy of God because of the works that you did, because the works that you did were the works of the devil, because you were born in sin, or if you weren't born, you, you sinned, and the Bible says once you sin, you become a slave of sin, and once you, whoever you obey, then that becomes your master. And that's why Satan would be considered the God of this world. Because man chose Adam, or Adam chose to disobey God. And when he chose to disobey God, he obeyed the serpent and therefore become a slave to him. And that's why Satan is considered the God of this world. And he's saying here, there was a time when we were alienated from God. Enemies in our mind because of our wicked works. But now... We've been reconciled. In other words, our relationship has been restored to God. Take advantage of that. Understand what he's trying to say here. If you've had that born-again experience, I'm going to use the term, if you've had at any time in your life an encounter with God, where you know that the Holy Spirit, you know that God has come to you and he's revealed to you your sin 
I think I might have shared this several years ago, but, but I had an absolute radical born-again experience. I didn't want Jesus. I was just starting my practice. I was very successful as far as I was concerned in my own mind. I didn't want Jesus. I didn't need Jesus because everything was going pretty good for me except my own life and with my wife and my kids. And Did you hear that? No, did you hear that? Because in all honesty, isn't that how we think sometimes? We can have a terrible home relationship. We can have a terrible relationship with our children. But if our business or something's going well, we'll, we'll think like that. That's how darkness works. Darkness will make you think you're okay when your whole life is falling apart. And one day, I didn't want Jesus. She said to me, she said, I'd like to uh, raise our children in a church. And I thought, okay, that, you know, that's fine. I mean, I was a chiropractor. That's good for business. <laughs> Come on. Oh, excuse me. I must be, you, you're telling me people don't think that way. Yes, we do. And then, then you want to know what somebody said? Well, that guy's nothing but a hypocrite. I'm not going to be like him. Yes, you are. Because <laughs> you're probably like that now. No, no. I, just, I just like to be real. Because there has to come a time in our lives when we're tired of that lifestyle. And we can be called out of that lifestyle. Because God will call us out of that lifestyle. And set us free. But then, I was simply in my bedroom, walking across, I was just walking across the room, and the Holy Spirit, I'm telling you, just in a nanosecond, the Holy Spirit came to me and convicted me. I mean, I saw myself as a sinner. I saw that it was sin in me. The reason that I was doing what I was doing was because of sin in me. And that sin... God brought to the light, and I, I realized, nobody had to tell me that if I died, I would perish. And I'm telling you, in that moment, a nanosecond, and that happened, and I remember, you know, I, I remember pointing my finger to God because I said, I, I remember, I said, you know, my name's Thomas, and I'm a doubter. You're going to have to prove yourself to me. And I stood there, and I confessed my sin, and I asked forgiveness. And I am telling you, from that moment on, it was radical. Something radical happened to me that has never changed because it was God. And so if the Lord comes to us, then he has to reveal to us throughout our walk what he has done for us. The fact that Jesus Christ went to that cross, the fact that his body was nailed to that tree, that cross, the fact that he died, our sins have been forgiven and our sins have been taken away. The fact that he died and he paid the price, I now can be reconciled to him because of all the sins that I had sinned and the sin that was within me. And reconciled means I can be restored. The relationship that God had planned for mankind, for you and me, can now be restored. And I literally can have fellowship with God. And trust me, over the last 42 years, I've taken full advantage of it. I, I, actually, that's not a true statement. I wish I'd have taken full advantage of it. And so I'm telling you, whether you're in a car, whether you're walking on the sidewalk, I, my, my favorite place was walking down a lane. I lived out in the country. 
there was two streets in that, in, in that town, Peak and Plum. You peek around the corner and you're plum out of town. <laughs> and I just used to love walking down, the, just talking to God. And sometimes I could just feel the Holy Spirit revealing something to me. And most of the time, I didn't hear anything. But take advantage now of what God has done for you. And you say, I don't even know how to talk to God. Yes, you do. You're going to start off by having so many problems. <laughs> You're going to think, I know, here I am again. Okay. Well, just start wherever you are. Because God came to you first. Because God loves us. And he died for us. And we can be reconciled. And the point was, in that sacrifice now, he said here, he goes on to say, he did that to present you holy, blameless, and above reproach. And that right there is what bothers us. We were happy with the fact that our sins were forgiven. But now that we think that, we okay, we're going to be holy. We, I have to be holy. I have to be holy. So what am I going to start doing? I'm going to start dressing differently. What am I going to start doing? I'm not going to cut my hair. I'm not, I'm not going to shave. I'm not, we do all of this worldly stuff to try to be holy. And what holy was, holy is God has separated you unto himself. And he says in his word, if I've separated you, then you separate yourself. You come out. And touch nothing unclean. Recognize that you've been called out of darkness and you've been called into his marvelous light. And walk in that light. And if God, I'm telling you, God's going to reveal things. Listen, even at my age, God's still revealing things. The issue that I had 30, 40 years ago are not issues to me anymore. But I still seem to have issues. <laughs> and probably will have them until the day I die. That's the faithfulness of God. And so he said, because of that sacrifice, he would, he, God, will present you holy, blameless, without wrinkle, and above reproach. He said God would do that. So in other words, there's a scripture in Philippians 1, 6 that says, he who began a work will finish it until the day of Christ. I've grabbed a hold of that. Because I can't tell you the number of times I've looked into a mirror and said, you may as well shoot me now, because I can't. I can't live this life. So what? We're not going to live this life in our own strength. Like Abraham, my wife can't conceive. How am I going to have descendants? And God says, don't you worry about that. This is part of my plan, part of my will. I will do a work supernaturally that will enable her to have descendants. And in the very same attitude, that's how God will come to you. He sees you as a babe in Christ, and he will bring you to maturity. And God, who started the work, will finish the work. Amen. Then, and there's a scripture that says, from the Old Testament, they used to offer sacrifices and offerings unto God. And there's a scripture in the Hebrews chapter 10 that says, Sacrifice is an offering thou hast not desired, but a body thou hast prepared for me. And that was Jesus, in reference to Jesus. And then he said, And I delight to do thy will, O God. And according to that will, the Bible says that we have been set, set apart. We've been sanctified. So once again, his body hanging on a cross is what has set us apart. His death on that cross. So what did you do? You were just like Abram. You believed. 
When he took that man out there and he said, count the stars, that's how your descendant's going to be. He goes home and he looks at his wife as though he was good as dead and she's barren and he was going to trust in God to bring about the promise. And I recommend to you that you trust in God to bring about what he has in your life. Because you can't do it in your own strength. Why? Because it's supernatural. But here, you are free now. And I'll show you why. While he's hanging on that cross, and just as he dies, the Bible says that he nailed the certificate of debt to the cross. In other words, there was all of these debts of all the sins that we've owed that we couldn't possibly pay in order to get right in the sight of God. Jesus Christ comes in the likeness of sinful flesh in order to condemn that sin in flesh. He comes and he nails that certificate of debt, which was his body, and said it's paid in full. And that day, the scripture says that he made a public spectacle of the principalities and powers. That's pretty impressive. And he disarmed the principalities and powers. In other words, Satan would come to you all the time and whisper in your ear and tell you you're not going to make it and tell you how terrible you are. See, you thought it was just your parents that said you're never going to amount to anything. No, it was the devil behind your parents speaking it. Satan is the one who's going to tell you you're no good. Satan is the one who's going to tell you you may as well go commit suicide. Satan's going to be the one who's going to tell you, you may as well slit your wrists because in that pain that you're feeling and you feel good about this self and so you're doing that. Who do you think's behind all that? You don't have to slit your wrist. And I guarantee you, you do not have to commit suicide. What you need to do now is surrender your heart and your life to Jesus Christ because there's a real life, a life that has been hidden from many people for generations that is now available because of the cross of Jesus Christ. Jesus suffered on that cross and it was a suffering of death. Why? So that he could taste death for everyone. And why? The scripture says in Hebrews chapter 2 verse 14, Inasmuch as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself shared in the same. He came in the likeness of sinful flesh that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil. I had a lady many years ago, her son was in an accident, her son was about 16, and uh, he was in a car accident, died, and, and uh, she was my little neighbor girl. You know, we were raised up, and so I did her son's funeral. And uh, I'm gonna say about two years later, I'm pumping gas, and she was uh, coming there, and. And I said, how you doing? I said, you know, I'm really, I'm really sorry. And, and she said, you know, Pastor, she, uh, she said, no, Tom. She said, I've not even been able to go visit my son's graveside. She said, I fear death. And I'm, I'm standing there, we're pumping gas, and she's over there, and I'm yelling, I ministered to him. I said, you don't have to fear death anymore. I said, you can give your life to Jesus. I said, you heard what I spoke at the funeral. I said, you heard. I said, it's your time. I said, that's exactly what the scripture says, that those who fear death are become slaves, okay? They're in bondage. And I said, you can be set free. About two weeks later, I see her again, and I hardly ever saw her for years. And, and she just started, she was all, and she came over to me, and she says, 
I went past the church the other night and I just stopped and I went in and they were having a service and I gave my heart to Jesus. And she said, you know what I did? I went to the gravesite. She said, I wasn't afraid of death anymore. She said, what you said was right. And I said, no, the scripture's right. About two weeks later, she died. But she died saved. So where's this freedom now? Where is our freedom? So we die, Christ died, he suffered, but then the, the scripture says on the third day he was made alive. Jesus said, I am he who lives and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of Hades and death. In other words, I have the keys of the underworld, and you no longer have to fear death because God has raised me up out of death. And in other words, you've been set free now. The scripture says that if we die with Christ through baptism, that we could be raised up with Christ in the newness of life. I encourage you, if there's anyone here today that you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, I encourage you to understand what I'm saying. What I'm saying is true. All you got to do is from the Bible, and you saw the scriptures, and all you got to do is look around, and you know it's true. You see darkness working everywhere, but we're children of light. And I open that scripture that says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. And where did that authority come from? The fact that Christ humbled himself, he became obedient unto death, even the death of a cross, and then God raised him from that dead so that you and I could walk in the newness of life. The scripture says that when God raised Jesus, he was very specific. The apostle Paul was very specific. He said, and when he raised him, he raised him far above the principalities and the powers and the dominions and the authorities. And he gave him the name that was above every name. That's why the name of Jesus is so precious. And then the scripture goes on to say, and I'm going to read it to you. God wants us to know the exceeding greatness of his power. You find it in Ephesians chapter 1. And let me just read all of this. That we might know the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe. According to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places. Far above all principalities and powers and might and dominion and every name that is named. Not only in this age, but also in the age which is to come. In other words, he, this is a fulfillment of what God promised Abraham. And in this fulfillment is where you and I find victory. Christ died. I died with him. I was buried with him through baptism. God raised Jesus from the dead. My faith is identified because God has opened my eyes to see it with the resurrected life. And when God raised Jesus from the dead, he seated him in heavenly places. And chapter 2 says, and he seated us with him in heavenly places. He raised us up. 
So if he raised us up, he raised us far above the principalities and the powers. In other words, we possess now. We possess the gates of our enemy. Why? Because to go in to possess means that you go in and you dispossess first the enemy. And Christ did that for us. See, Satan has no authority over you whatsoever. The kingdom of darkness has no effect on you. The kingdom of darkness can be there and can be all around you. But when you recognize what Christ has done for you and you recognize who you are, it goes on to say here, and he put all things under his feet, under Jesus' feet, and gave him to be head over all things to the church. And we are the church. We are the body of Christ. We are the light of the world. And we take that light into the world. Go, he said, therefore. If I have authority, you go. And you go in my authority. You go in my name. You go in the power that I've given you when I baptized you in the Holy Spirit and you received the power that was from on high. That's why I gave that to you. That's why I told the disciples, don't you dare leave Jerusalem until you are endued with power. Because in this walk, we cannot do a thing in our own strength. But what we do is in the name of Jesus. What we do is through the power of God's Holy Spirit. What we do is because the Holy Spirit leads us in that area to do it. And no purpose of God can be thwarted. And no weapon formed against you can prosper. It can be formed against you, but it can't prosper. And the last thing he says in here about the church, listen to what he says about the church now. We are his body, the fullness of all, the fullness of him who fills all in all. I ask you today now, as we close, is that how you see yourself? Or have you been looking in the mirror, listening to the devil, even though you believe in Jesus? Are you looking at your weakness? The Apostle Paul said, I will most gladly boast of my weakness because in my weakness, that's when his power is made perfect. His power is complete. When I recognize how weak I really am, that I have to trust in God. And when I trust in God, I'm telling you the power of God transforms and is manifested. So are you looking today in the mirror and seeing the old self? Or are you going to bury that old self where that old self needs to be? Remember, if you were buried with him in baptism, that that old man was crucified, and you buried that old man. You leave that old man or that old woman. I could say the old bag. <laughs> you leave her where she belongs. Because you've been raised up, folks. You truly have been raised up. That's where faith takes us. And as you walk in faith, not knowing where you're going, then God will continually reveal himself to you time and time and time again. And you will change. Yes, you will. You cannot not change if the Holy Spirit has got you. Today, as we open in prayer, somebody spoke, not today, Satan. Not today. See, not today, Satan, is something that we can say, not at any time. Why? Because I no longer am of your kingdom. I'm going to live for Jesus. 
last scripture that I want to say is this. The Apostle Paul said that he, he has lost all things for the sake of the knowledge of Christ. And he's counted everything of his past but dung. You see, he just wanted to grab a hold of a righteousness that was not from works of the law, but a righteousness that was from God through faith. I want to walk uprightly before a living God. And the only way that I can truly do that is just to believe because he came to me. I couldn't even believe if he didn't come to me. But he came to me and I believe. But I want to know him. Paul said, forgetting what lies behind, reach forward. You can't reach forward if your hands are full of your past. You've got to lay aside your past. You've got to lay it down. Lay it down and then reach forward toward eternal life. And let God take you and mold you and make you what he's desired because he had a plan before time began. And you're part of that plan. And so today, as she's playing, let's stand, please. If you want to sing the last song, you have a closing song. I'm going to have them sing a song as we close. And I'm going to ask you today, and I mean it, and I'm serious. If the devil is in your house in any way, there's all these issues. I'm going to ask you to take a step forward, and I'm going to ask you to come before the Lord and say, Not today, Satan. Not in my house. And the reason I say that is because I've showed you why you can say that. I've showed you where your victory is. And your victory is in Christ at the cross. And so as you come, you're coming to the cross of Jesus Christ. And you're proclaiming what Christ has done for you. It's time for the church to rise up. It's time for us to take authority over the circumstances of our lives. Not of anything we can do, but because of what Christ has done. If we're called to go to the highways and the byways and bring this word, the gospel, the good news, then why not start at home? Why not start at our own lives? Why not start in our marriage? If you're struggling with your marriage, why not just say, not today, Satan. I know where this is coming from. It's not from my husband. It's not from my wife. My wife. One day I was joining a marriage counseling session and the couple was late. And while I was waiting for them, most of the time, the men was going to sit on the left and the woman was going to be sitting on the right. And so I knew that. And then I took two letters and I wrote on there the complaint of the man and then I took three. Excuse me, I, I'm sorry, women, but I took three <laughs> envelopes and I wrote what the woman was going to complain about and I stuck them under my calendar. And as the man started to talk, I just pulled the thing out and said, yep, I knew that. And he went on and I said, yep, I knew that too. The woman started, I said, yep, I knew that. Yep, yep. 
I said, do you know what that shows you? It's not about you. It's not about your wife. It's not about your husband. When are you going to die to self and live for God? When are you going to lay down your life and be the woman that God called you to be? When are you going to be the man that God called you to be? When are you going to be the priest of your house? When are we going to be the people of God? Well, it has to start today. When you say, not today, not in my house. And so as we sing this last song, I, I invite you, come and leave it at the altar and get right. Amen.
thank you for <clears throat> thank you for bringing that word to this house Lord Lord we know that I'm sure there's more than one in this room that in their heart feels no not today Things come to an end today. Change has to happen in me today, in us today. It starts here with me. Lord, you know every struggle in this room. You know every thought. You know every fight, every battle. So, Lord, whoever else, Lord, needs to hear that, whoever else needs to respond to your word, that there would be a great surrender in them, Lord. A great, Lord, here I am, have all of me. Like the woman at the gas pump, filled with fear, and immediately she was free. She was free indeed. You know in this room the ones that need to be free indeed. Oh, that the sun would set them free and free indeed. Each and every one, Lord. Let us, <clears throat> let us sleep tonight and have dreams of this. Let us awake tomorrow and have thoughts of this, encounters of this. Continue to speak this word to our hearts. Thank you, Lord, for Pastors Tom and Julie, for their lives, for his ministry, for the word that was shared today, and for a beautiful time in your presence, in your house, with your people. Lord, we love you, Lord. We thank you in Jesus' name. How many of you were blessed today by the word? Amen. The beauty about this word is um, you could go back and listen to it again tonight. And you could go back and listen to it again tomorrow. And as many times as you have to go back, go back and listen to it. And hear the word over and over. Get something out of that. So don't just hear it today, but go back to YouTube and listen to it again. Amen. I wanted to do something with Pastor Tom. Yesterday we had dinner with him and all the leaders. And the leaders were going to call out a band from the restaurant. And they were going to sing happy birthday to him. And I, and I got a little nervous and I said, don't, don't, don't do that. Let's, let's do it to Omar. Let's, Omar. Omar was the one that you guys wanted to do it to. Let's sing happy birthday to Omar. And I, I didn't let the band come up and, and sing happy birthday to Pastor Tom. Pastor Tom, we're, we're grateful that you're here. We're blessed, and you know, his birthday's in two days. So we didn't bring the band out, but we brought his brothers and sisters out. So let's honor the man of God. Turn around, Pastor Tom. Look what we got for you. Are y'all ready? One, two, three. Happy birthday to you.
All right. I mean, you know, we got the band, we got them, so it was, it was better. It was better this way. So the leadership wanted to do that and just to sing happy birthday to you and, the, and as the church is coming alongside and just uh, thank you for today. Um, hopefully you were blessed. I know I was. You receive. Go back, listen to this word. What's, what, guys, God is doing something here. Amen? He's doing something in our family. Look around. Look around. Look at someone that you don't know and just say, he's doing something. I know, so awkward, so weird. All right, look back over here. You're probably like, everything was good until that moment. You should have just said bye. All right, so because God is doing something, we want to give you a homework assignment. Man, share the word with someone. Share Jesus with someone. This, when, when, now, get out of here. Share, share the Lord with someone right now, today, and then Monday, and then Tuesday, and then Wednesday, and then Thursday, and then Friday. And you know what? Do it Saturday as well. And then let the Lord give you a reward and bring them on Sunday. Amen? Guys, God bless you. You are loved. Leave in the presence of the Lord. Thank you, guys. Amen.